Hello and welcome. This time, Dave Thomas, that's me, and my co-host John Deere, discuss why there aren't any glass dolls in Aldo Lardo's 1971 Jello classic, Short Night of Glass Dolls, aka La Corta Notte della Bambole di Vetro. Please join us. It is not sufficient proof when you say the girl was wearing nothing when she left. And yet I've known it to happen that someone suddenly decides to move out. They leave, there's no warning, and no arguing. Now let me say this to you. They'd better because I'll write a story and blast every last one of you for murder. Why did you say murder? This time, in the course of our discussion, there's the inevitable gendered violence, the equally inevitable gaslighting, and some rather disturbing lucid surgery. Also, fair warning, once again, we're going to spoil the ending of this one, and it's a humdinger. So if you don't want to have it ruined, go and watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the show. So, the short night of glass dolls, we continue our... Uh, our, our, our journey through the most bizarrely titled <laughs> names in 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 in, 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 in cinema. is that what it's called everywhere? Because there's usually about five titles depending on where you release it. Uh, yeah, I think that is also the Italian title. Right. Um, okay. It was originally because there's a there's a a continuing motif of of glass kind of chandeliers, so bits of you know, glass hanging from elaborate light fittings which is a little bit throwaway the the reason is that it was originally going to be called short night of the butterflies which is a slightly well, that, better title because of the butterfly is a, motif, is a plot point yeah, yeah. indeed yeah yeah the comparisons um, are made between the, the the women who are killed and flightless butterflies yeah yeah um unfortunately there was another jello uh that came out around the same time uh duccio tesari had a film called the bloodstained butterfly which is also pretty good um, but that kind of put paid to, it's, you know, it's going to be confusing. And there are already like a shit ton in the wake of Bird with Crystal Plumage. Every Jello that's getting made at this point in 1971 has got gotcha. an animal in the title. So I can kind of see why they were attempting to do some do something that differentiated it slightly. Yeah. Are we still in a period here then where the definition of Jello is in flux? Because the the cut the um, the tone, the color scheme, the location are all very different. The killings are far more subtle, mm. um, not as lurid, and um, only about two women get killed. More more men get killed in this. Mm. Um, it's set in Prague. It's quite drab in its tone, in its colour tone. We often we see, uh, you know, um, dull buildings, doom, sort of like slate skies. Um, it it has a a sombre quality, and mm. you know, it's less about uh, tracking down uh, a serial killer than it is about trying to find. It's a trying to find out what happened to a man's disappeared disappeared girlfriend and mm. falling into a conspiracy. 
Um, are there other examples of, of, of that type of thing here at this point? Well, Jalo is, is in flux. Um, a little bit, yeah. So, I mean, this is this is kind of of a piece with uh, perfume of the lady in black in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and and again, I think what's what's influencing this as much as something like crystal plumage is probably like Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. You know, the sort of the slightly more satanic, uh, the slightly more subtle satanic conspiracy movie as opposed to you know the exorcist whatever it uh and, and you know things things of that ilk uh because rosemary's baby was 69 this is 71 so kind of by the time you've gone through a production cycle yeah i would say that's probably where this is coming from there's also an an episode and i don't know if it's directly influenced because you know as we've discussed trying to figure out what jello directors are specifically referencing unless they've either you know they've done like a blu-ray extra or they're like a really famous one mm. um it's quite tricky to pin down but it does remind me a lot there's an alfred hitchcock presents episode uh which i forget the name of but it's kind of joseph cotton is very much like this is you know a comatose patient that everyone thinks is dead oh but and, he, and he's, he's and he's not right and he yeah. is not he right. and it's kind of it's told from his pov invoice over kind of through flashback as he's attempting to alert the medical staff around him who are basically you know about to do an autopsy on him uh to the fact that he is still alive now it ends rather better than this does <laughs> yeah yeah sean sorrell gets a raw deal at the end as the conspiracy wins spoilers for the fans there but it's um it's okay. So it's. I mean, the person waking up in a sort of living death, I suppose, is a uh, that can go back to you know like uh, Sheridan Lefanu in um, uh, Flying Dragon or mm. um, some Lovecraft uh, elements to that. But it's mm. not something that's followed really in in Jallo too much, is it? I mean, there is you say Rosemary's Baby, and again, which has an overtly which has a, yeah an overtly supernatural. Mm. It's, it's literally the devil's child yeah, yeah um here it's rather more cod science and the 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 occult nature of it and the the injections that they that, that receive you know it's more possibly more like um serpent in the rainbow uh, mm. in, t- in terms of how fantastical the the, the 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 idea is while the story seems to be more about um sacrificing youth to the to the sake of power for the for people yes. for the older generation retaining retaining their their control and not letting and not letting young progress progress take over which is interesting mm. therefore you set it behind the iron curtain technically well and and yeah. specifically in prague not that long after the after the crushing uh, yeah, of the prague indeed, uprising so. indeed yes yeah um so who directed this so this is uh the first film of aldo lardo okay about which I actually don't know a ton because there's not a whole lot uh, out there. He was interestingly, so he was born in a part of Italy uh, that subsequently became part of Yugoslavia and latterly Croatia, which is interesting because there's a couple of key roles that have Croatian actors in. Uh, okay. So I, I, I'm going to assume, and again, my kind of 
European geopolitics is probably somewhat shaky, that there was sort of more of a Slavic influence in that part of Italy at that time that mm-hmm. maybe plays into certainly the setting and, and the feeling and the, the, the subtext of kind of class and and that kind of stifling of progress that, that this film has. And, you know, it's funny, he, he didn't do a ton. He's done... He's done some interesting movies. He was a screenwriter from the late 60s, but he hadn't written that much before this. He wrote a movie called Designated Victim, which is quite kind of celebrated. Um, Then he wrote this and immediately, uh, and directed this, and then immediately after this, he did a movie that we will come on to, I think, in our next go-around, called Who Saw Her Die, which is a a favourite of mine. And... I don't care what anyone says. Nick Rogue totally ripped it off for Don't Look Now. I have seen that. I ha- mm. it's one of the it's one of the few jellos I had seen um, before. You may have shown it to me. Actually, mm. um, I, 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 I probably shouted at you until you watched it. Yes, you, you probably did because I I was when I was going through it. The only one film I recognised from him was uh, Who Saw Her, Her Die, which is the film he directs. Uh, after this mm. uh and i thought oh did we cover that in the previous season and we and we haven't so i have watched that off off my own bat mm. and it's not often you see a film and go my god wasn't george lazenby good as the lead um, <laughs> right <if you're> like, <laughs> yeah. in a in a film about trying to work out uh, a murder mystery what happened in an off-season venice Mm. Which, as you say, uh, there's a very, very, very um, famous example of something that follows this. So uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. I hope we, um, I hope we come, I hope we come to that later. But yes, so yeah. he has, he ha- he 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 has woman like like who saw her die. And, and bear in mind that the this and this and that are the only two films I've I've seen of his. There's again quite a, uh, a heavy dour overhang of. Mm. Of gloomy weather, gloomph, as, it, as a, I've, I've seen Strawberry Hill um, referred to as something you want to get there. But it has a similar feel. It has a similar look that he's that he's got something slightly more down than the lurid colours of the I now at least have come to sort of could have expect with the shallow genre. Mm. Yeah, and then like subsequently, I mean, this is probably the the high point. I I would say these kind of first two. I mean, he he did a film called Night Train Murders in the mid seventies, which was a video nasty until very recently. Actually, I think it's now you can now get it uncut because censorship is nonsense. But it was uh, on the list of kind of cut and banned for a long time. Um, and he did a uh, so Barbara Back, who was in this, uh, was also in um, his. Uh, somewhat cheap and and kind of cheerful star wars knockoff he did called the humanoid uh in in the late 70s i might check check that out yeah um and then yeah is it as good as is it as good as star crash no Ah, but it's okay what richard what is what is well exactly yeah richard keel is basically like not darth vader so you know it's worth it's worth seeing for that wait it's it's got barbara bach and and richard richard keel It is a okay. Spy Who Loved Me uh, reunion in space. Yep. I say, okay. <laughs> which, which after um, Spy Who Loved Me doesn't, doesn't Moonraker happen? Uh, anyway. I mean, yep, immediately yeah, afterwards. Yeah, afterwards yes. yeah. Amazing. There's something in the air there, particularly. particularly <laughs> yep. Something out of the air. Uh, do we want to do a quick uh, precy of the of, of the plot, which in itself is quite straightforward, because this is a thing about sort of intrigue and mm. um, and uh, and tone, uh, mm. and, I th- and, I, and unlike a lot of Jalo, subtext. 
mm. um, which I assume was I, I assume was deliberate, but very broadly, um, an American journalist. And by the way, no one is, seems to be the nationality they're playing. No. Um, <laughs> and I didn't, didn't realize because the, the because the because the American journalist is uh, Jean Sorel, who we met last time. Um, he's very good. He's very mm. good in this, and he's um, playing. I mean, he's he's playing much less of a git in this yeah, than he normally he does because he possibly he has been in the past because there's a we'll, we'll talk about the the relationship that he had that that ended presumably when he met another character. Yeah, uh, but he seems to be genuine, yeah, uh, genuinely in love with this person who then disappears and sets the plot in motion. But anyway. I'm yeah. Um, so uh, it's Greg Moore. Gregory Moore uh, is his is his name. He's an American journalist uh, working in Prague uh, who soon hopes to go to be transferred to London. Um, he's seeing, uh, is it Mira? Played by, yes. played by the spy who loved me is Barbara Bach, mm-hmm. um, who is, I'm assuming she's, Either she's meant to be Czech or she's meant to be uh, Czech, Czech yeah. Russian, um, and she quite likes the idea that he might take her with him. However, because she's from um, a Warsaw Pact country, um, that's going to prove more more problematic. And he takes her to a couple of society um, parties where they meet, where he knows an influential guy that might be able to arrange a visa uh, for her to go, and everyone's sort of generally quite enchanted. Uh, by 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 her um, that night after the party they go to bed and he's um, he's called out on a on a lead that goes nowhere and it's a, pre- it's a pretense to get him seemingly out of the house um, because when he returns uh, Mira is missing uh, but her stuff is left there uh, including her passport so he concludes uh, and apparently all her clothes uh, and he. That he concludes, therefore, she's uh, she's she's been taken. However, the police largely seem normally incompetent in these films. Presumably, slightly more corrupt here. Mm. The suspicion is they know what's going on, but they're part they're part of the conspiracy. Um, believe uh, try to frame him, and he conducts his own investigation with the help of his ex girlfriend, who he works with on, on the newspaper, mm. uh, played by uh, Ingrid Thulin, uh, who you'll recognise if you see a lot of Bergman films. Indeed. I saw her in uh, Cries and Whispers um, yes. for, relatively recently. And it's interesting that she's become sort of, she's the female lead. And in a, in a giallo, the female lead is generally uh, younger. Uh, mm. in, it was there. Often the villain, and we've talked about this before, but often the protagonist, sort of the, the, the antagonist, is often, is often a woman, to sort of, which often counters, the, mm. although not excuse, the problematic elements that you see about a lot, a lot of the deaths. But it's interesting that we have a middle-aged woman um, um, Notably, a bit older than than Barbara Back, who becomes, um, in many ways, sort of the the strong, the main sort of emotional uh, focus, uh, and it's the, the top film. build too, as well. I think. Yes, she is. Yes, yes. Mm. She, although she very much, she is the second lead to, to yes, to John Sorrell. Um, but yeah, I mean, I assume that's because she's quite a big name. Yeah, uh, even uh, even um, for, for that for that as well, uh, and, and during the investigations, uh, they meet with various people, including a, a, a blind man who gives them certain information, um, a um, uh, a neighbour of one of the previous victims they've found, as they found more. The several women have turned up in have disappeared after being uh, in in similar in similar circumstances, and he's led. Uh, uh, through a, 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 um, a liaison with a person who's killed as he is about to quite an effective death he's pushed in front of a train mm. um, about a club the Club 99 uh, I, I think it is as, as well which he, which he visits now on the side of that, that while in the investigation there's also 
uh, they meet with um, a scientist who um, does interesting things with tomatoes uh, and yes. has a and has a formula for um, uh, sort of a, a new sort of scientific breakthrough that may be that may be possible with this thing. Yes, he's proved that among other things that tomatoes feel pain. So fuck you, vegans. <laughs> Okay, we're not going for the agenda for this. <laughs> Invest, in, investigating uh, the um, the ninety nine club, um, which appears to be just like a job for a, a place for uh, older rich um, uh, checks to, uh, to 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 listen to music and basically a social club for the for the elite. He uncovers um, uh, conspiracy to basically. Um, sacrifice younger people but perhaps we'll come on to that before we we'll come on to that a bit later before we discuss Mm. fully what what that what that implies now the whole film uh which i haven't said so far is fundamental is told almost pretty much all but the end of the film is told in flashback as we Mm. open with gregory's body being discovered but gregory isn't dead however he has no uh, motor functions uh, showing. The only thing is his uh, his body is regular temperature. He's mm. producing heat, but there's no motor functions. Um, so they assume he's dead. And as Gregory screams and effectively the people around him, uh, including people he knows who identify the body or attempt to uh, attempt to try and revive him, um, he forces himself to remember the events of the film uh, that we that, that we watch and how he became um, dragged into into a. In, in, into this conspiracy world and again it's very effective yeah yes right from the off that the um because one of the things i always forget to talk about when we do these is how good the music generally is because one of the things that's key in in jelly is that they have these fantastic oddball psychotronic soundtracks and it could be everything from crazy jazz to you know prog rock in the later stuff and this one is uh ennio morricone and that opening theme so that so the 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 kind of cold open is the body being discovered and then the credits play over a kind of a pov in the ambulance as it's going through these very kind of narrow prague back streets and this sort of heartbeat that isn't really there but you know presumably he can uh what well, he can't hear, but you know, it's, sort of, it's, it's to tell you he's alive. He's yes, it's so indicative that he's alive. alive yeah, um, and there's also this breathing going on in the background, which again, as, as you say, I think is to signify that he's alive. Which then turns into this very dissonant kind of opening piece of music that is really, really unsettling. It is, and it's I mean, it's Morricone, so it's a master of the art that, that's, mm. that's doing this as well. And you're right, it's a really effective, um, and it establishes place very well. And you know, Toto, we're not in Italy anymore. So, mm. However, at one point, I was reminded of the naked gun <laughs> yeah there is a little bit of that isn't there oh look he's going in the shower with barbara back and the car still with the car still going <laughs> Hila- Hila- hilarity and hilarity and if if, if, there, if uh, there was a special guest star william shatner who died in the opening credits that would have been pretty good that would be good and they credit him wrong as well it's an incorrect <laughs> credit it's an incorrect credit indeed <laughs> oh god you know this at some point we 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 just remember that we may just be too cynical to, um, to, to, to appreciate films anymore. No, it was in its own terms that you know, flashed to the mind in a second. In its own terms, it's incredibly atmospheric. Um, it's a incredibly atmospheric piece. But what um, what qualifies this then as a giallo? It's it's a conspiracy theory. It's mm. dour. It's you know it's something more like you might read in a, you know, in a, you know it's, it's not quite the same in terms of it's 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 not quite as highbrow. It's still mm. it's still within the but you know it's not a world away from Jean Le Carrier in terms of it's mm. you know, behind the Iron Curtain rain greyness uh, conspiracy. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I think I think the um, Jello is an Italian mystery is kind of doing a fair amount of heavy lifting here. Um, this one is admonished as not a Jello by some fairly, you know, kind of prominent writers on the subject. It's not in Troy Howarth's multi-volume epic of pretty much every Jello going uh, because he insists it is not. Uh, although he does, uh, he does enjoy it. Uh, but it's also been released as part of a Jello collection on DVD. So, <laughs> so you kind of—it's one of those that, and I take your point that it's—it's it's a little more doer-looking and not typically kind of the the lurid nature of the Jello that comes you, that that's actually going on kind of concurrently with this at, at mm. this point after after Crystal Plumage. But it's sort of you know to quote Holy Grail, it it looks like one to yeah. an extent. Um, it does. I mean, it does have some jello tropes. You know, you've got an outsider yeah. protagonist uh, mm-hmm. who is suspected of a crime that he is trying to solve. So he is pretty much accused by the presumably corrupt Prague police that he's, you know, he is actually killed Barabak's character to the point where there is a scene later on where um, they they literally fridge poor Barbara back. Yeah, um, I, I thought that was a dream sequence, first of all. I was like, no, no, they've just put her back in. And oh, it was only when the police started knocking the door. I was like, yeah. oh, no, this, this is happening. Yeah, uh, so because yeah. the whole point is that that he is, you know, that they have to do something to remove him from yeah, yeah. The, the investigation. Um, it's also, I mean, it does kind of technically center around the disappearance of young women young women in as much as you know the the what what kind of motivates the plot is that his girlfriend disappears and some other young women have disappeared and occasionally turn up in sort of slightly problematic naked you know dead tits um kind of uh, they they do but it's not i mean it's no more gratuitous than you would see in any in any procedure. No, no, that's uh, true. Um, there's there's um, a I mean Barbara about covered in flowers with the they are there's a plot point. Oh, this club mm. orders a lot of flowers mm. you know, to, co- to cover up the smell of dead bodies. Um, and there's the woman who's just found by the river who's not. It's 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 it's, 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 it's false framed as a you know it might be it might be Barbara Bauer. Mm. And it isn't, but this then leads to other people are in this are in this situation. But what's interesting about that is. Um, there's no blood. There's no, no. you know, there's not, there's, there's no lurid stabbing scenes. It's just shown cold, and it fits within the sort of the color palette of the of, mm. of, of, of the whole thing. Death is cold. People, you know, people he enc- people uh, that Gregory encounters are quite are quite cold. It's only mm. his. Uh, it's only his his friend who I think I recognised. Uh, from Burma the Crystal Plume, which is the artist in Burma the Crystal yes, Plume. Yes, yeah. Yes. Mario Dorf, who we've seen a couple of times because he's also okay. uh, one of the police. He's the inspector in uh, What Have They Done to Your Daughters? Oh, right. Okay. I didn't um, recognise it from that. Uh, and I've no idea what nationality he's supposed to be. He's called Jacques, but he's he's remotely <laughs> French. Yes. And in, in the English dub, he's he's dubbed with what I think is meant to be an Irish accent, which makes it even funnier. So, oh, um, it, oh, wait. Because he, ha- he, he has a drink problem. That's oh, right. Oh, oh no. <laughs> And not only that, but he drinks vodka. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Oh. Yeah, that that one. Oh Irish god. Drink. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh god. No, I'm glad. I'm really glad they didn't do that because, like, you just <laughs> maybe you're just meant to then just project whatever prejudice you have on. I think, I think so. Yeah. Oh, it's a Frenchman. He's drinking a lot, but it's not. Yeah. It's it's vodka or the wine or beer. Or, but he's drinking vodka, so he's probably Slavic in some respect. Yeah. He, he's then, an yeah. overweight drunkard, so you know you can just go to town. Really, you know, it's one of those. Uh, oh, speaking as an overweight drunkard, I find that. Yeah. Same. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, uh, w- what's interesting about him is um, 
is used a couple of times in uh, false framing that you think he might be like he might be a traitor to because you know, he is um, in the way that he he he's basically the only male friend to to to, to, mm. to Gregory. But unlike everyone else, pretty much he's full of life and fun, mm. um, and he contrasts hugely with every with everyone who's you know, either a bad guy and, and even um, the two female leads. There's something cold and anxious um, about mm. them. Uh, but you're right. There's lots of um, there are still lots of tropes, and the trouble with labelling is it only ever limits what you. Is it? it yeah. It, it's, I I just presumably I well, I'm, I'm no one to particularly listen to. Uh, and I understand the irony of saying that on the podcast. Um, but <laughs> um, you'd probably shove this in with Jello because it looks quite a lot like Jello, and mm. it's really and it's really good. Fuck it. Let's just yeah. Let's keep, and keep, John Sorrell's in it, and it's directed yeah, yeah. by an Italian, and yeah, etc. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's and it has it has a strong sense of place, like a lot mm. of like as you say, it has it has the outsider. There's lots of framing, uh, quite uh, quite with quite long shots, which you often see in, in Jello when you want to sort of either dwarf people in the surroundings of an urban environment, or you know. Show that show people at distance, like 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 they're being observed. It also mm. has one beautiful shot in a pitch dark room, which opens uh, and then revealing just uh, when the light goes on to the table and the, uh, and the mm. table with the flower, and, he, and, the, and our protagonist moves back into the darkness, not to be seen. Uh, it's very obvious, it's very stylish, but it's 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 glorious, and it's mm. uh, you know it's it has a strong the, the cinematography is strong in this this film. Yeah, and yeah, there's there's all kinds of interesting motifs going on because. The, the as the original title the uh short night of the butterfly so one one kind of fairly major clue is that um barbara back's character uh gives uh gregory a gift which is some pinned butterflies of a, of a particular species that apparently can't fly is that which of real course, is that i don't real? know i don't know <laughs> I've never that heard of that. That sounded odd. Shit butterfly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. How do they? How do they like eat and stuff if they can't how, fly? How do they, how do they not get killed quick yeah. enough to breed? Yeah. Um, anyway, yes. It's a. Uh, I bought you these. I bought you these rather beautiful metaphors. So yes, can, so <laughs> precisely. Can, so you can stick them yeah. on the wall. Anyway, go yeah. on. Yeah. So this may be important later. Um, <laughs> which, of course, bought, it, it's I, called the it's called the Chekhov's cliche. Yes, which, as you said, is is a metaphor for you know because Barbara's character Mira is seemingly one of a number of of girls who are actually kind of in the orbit somehow of of the club and these you know rich leeches who are essentially stealing their stealing their life essence or however you want to yeah. look at it, um, which all and the club also has um a bunch of these you know butterflies so the the you know the clue for the audience is when he finds the place with the butterflies clearly that's you know that's involved um and and also a metaphor for the fact that they won't let the the young women escape once they've been kind of decided that that's whose essence we're going to to drain effectively there's also an interesting motif with Mira and apples. I don't know if you noticed that. So there's a bit early on where she's... Yeah, she, she certainly found... She's eating an apple at one point. Yeah. Her body is found with an apple in its hand that falls. Yeah, from the fridge. She's eating one earlier on. And then right at the beginning when uh, Gregory's body is found, there's a raven or a crow that's, that's scoffing an apple in the park. Apple, yeah. 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 Um, uh, is that something to you know talk about sin? And, uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's yeah. sort of sin and temptation and, Should, yeah. and probably, you know, I, I think... It, with with a lot of kind of Jallo filmmakers or Italian filmmakers of this period, it's like chuck an apple in, that'll get them, you know. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that'd be a lark. Um, 
but it is it, it is kind of noticeable particularly after you watch this a couple of times um i've seen this a few times now and it's kind of like things like that kind of pop out yeah it's just good and the cast is great like yeah there's no there's really, no really good. there's no there's no poor performances they're very effective set pieces you mentioned mm. a couple of times chandeliers are used as a as a as a thing and often uh, you know and uh, a, a shot looking up at a chandelier mm. as, a, as a character either wakes up or you know emerges from unconsciousness uh to to you know as a where i am so 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 sort of feel it gives you know, there's an ambiguity and you know, that light light fraction and stuff like that is going on as well it's been thought about uh, mm. as you as you say the uh, the central theme goes is you know is, isn't particularly original however mm. it's doing something different with what we regard as the sort of film that you would want if it's a you know an italian horror of this of this of, 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 of this night the only bit that um i thought was a bit too on the nose and again you can tell me if this is more a thing about context or more of a thing in context context mm-hmm. rather but there's just one bit where he's wandering around not necessarily knowing what he's going to do or what this is meant to the plot mm-hmm. and he's well he's thrown into he's pushed off off a bridge uh mm-hmm. Greg, Greg, sorry he's pushed off a bridge and nearly and you know, nearly dies this attempt on his life you know but immediately before that he stops and watches some asshole singing in English about butterflies Um, (laughs) yeah it's a bit on the nose isn't it yeah oh why don't you let butterflies with gaily coloured wings fly free in the clear skies yeah why don't you Butterflies with gaily coloured wings fly free in the clear skies. Um, also, like, and there's just like there's, that means absolutely nothing to the film. And it isn't like you know, it isn't like The Wicker Man where music is a fundamental part of it. Here we've mm. just got a guy singing, which has no other than he's you know other than he's uh, he's singing about. Uh, how capitalism basically fucks you, or you know how how the mm. how the how the state keeps you down, which which I know ties into the uh, some of the subtext in this film about you know the 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 power of the older generation to mm. to stop the young growing, but it's 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 a bit it's it's, it's a bit obvious and it's uh, and it comes out of nowhere. There's just people sitting around listening to this guy singing in English, who's a bit of a hippie, mm. and. Does that thing happen occasionally in in in, in these films, or is it is, is it is it unique? Mm, interesting. I mean, bloody hippies do turn up in in a few jelly. So uh, we haven't got to lizard in a woman's skin, which is uh, the nineteen seventy, I think seventy or seventy one jello that Fulci did uh, before. Uh, Don't torture a duckling, uh, which kind of has. Uh, as a sort of fairly significant plot point these kind of hippie assassins i guess <laughs> that makes it sound wow. really bad it's not it's great uh but you know the the the, the main character is is menaced by uh some some hippieish types uh who are who are sort of quite quite violent um so i don't know i mean it it's his, you know, it's Aldo Lada's first film. I do wonder if he's kind of like, have they, have you got it yet? Um, you know, yeah. if it's just like a, a, a motif for if for anyone who hasn't yet worked it out, you know, it's capitalism and oppression that is the bad guy. Uh, here's a song about it, and also, you know, it's 1971. So if you were a director who was kind of filtering 
stuff that had just happened. You know, the kind of Dracula 1972 thing. If you're like a 30 a something writing, uh, you know, what you think teenagers do, uh, you're probably a, several years out of date. Um, so that may, or he might have just, you know, been like somebody's cousin or something. Can I sing my song? Yeah, fine. Um, is it about butterflies? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there are more, there are more subtle subtexts to films, mm. but I'm so astonished to actually have subtext in a, in a, for what, in a, in, in the Jello. Mm. Uh, I really, really wasn't expecting it. Mm. And I like the idea that possibly because this is behind the Iron Curtain and, you know, capitalism could be seen by many, including during the, you know, the, the Park Spring, mm. the, you know, as an, as the, as the alternative to, 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 to communism. But we're sort mm. of being told, no, it doesn't really matter. Like those, those <laughs> yeah. with, those with power will oppress you. Um, yes. Uh, without really any for any form of comeback, and that feels that feels quite relevant now. Do you want to talk a bit about the the conspiracy theory itself? As in, sorry, the conspiracy. Sorry, the conspiracy itself, mm. because we we have uh, we have a brief ceremony, which again mm. isn't dissimilar to something uh, uh, to something like Perfume of the, Late, of, the, of the Lady in Black, although it's. Uh, although it's not the protagonist that's 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 involved, but it's the it but it brings the protagonist to his to his downfall because mm. he thinks he sees um, he he thinks he sees Barbara back there and then Myra sorry um, and it, but it's not it's just another late it's just the next victim that's mm. because she, she's she's now dead uh, mm. which we know but but our protagonist but our protagonist doesn't mm. and he sees people that he. That he may know, that he may know from from the flash forwards when he's in his living death, but he's mm. now surrounded by people that, and his, his his fate is sealed. But it seems a largely orgiistic um, mm. cer- ceremony, and it's full of you know, it's full of late middle aged elderly people, mm. um, which if nothing else is quite body positive. Mm. Um, and um, but it's meant to be grotesque, so it's, it's not. It's, that, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's true. That, that, that's true. It doesn't, but it isn't particularly that great. And it's not shot. It's not shot. No, no, it's not. E- no, it it's shot. It's shot at quite a distance or with an angle that's uh, that leaves that leaves things things to the imagination. You may get the occasional fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the fact that all the elderly people that we see at the at the, at the club, uh, particularly when we see them listening to listening to music. Mm. Have like what seems obvious white makeup, yeah, uh, and they look they look like ghouls. They look they look like the living dead. Mm. Uh, and clearly, if there is a life essence being given to them as well, I I tend to think and this is purely my reading of it. It doesn't fucking work, you idiots. Of course, it doesn't. Mm. You may have invented something that, like the like the powder in Serpent and the Rainbow, gives the temporarily gives the appearance of death. Mm. Uh, but it isn't. You're not taking their life essence. You're not. You're not growing younger through, mm. through through their usage. You're just killing people for the sake of it because you have power and you want to keep it. Yes, at sort of at best, you're kind of persevering as an old, yeah, kind of husk. If that's even the case, it seems like a very kind of demonstrative, you know, sort of. Well, if we're gonna kind of sacrifice somebody, us we, we probably ought to do some sort of ceremony. You know, it, it feels a bit like. Put forced, which I think is also, and I, I think Perfunc- that's perfunctory. Possibly. Yeah, 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 and I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the intention or not, but I kind of feel like it may be. Yeah, like it's you know sort of, ugh, okay, well you know we've been doing this for a while, you know it's sort of it's an ex, you know it's it's a nice evening out, you know go and yeah. go <laughs> go to the faux satanic kind of gathering orgy and we'll sacrifice somebody and you know listen to some <laughs> Chopin or something, you know. 
And the obvious thing is that it's just a visual representation, I think, of just power and corruption. Mm. That's just that's quite on the nose. But I yeah. also I also like the fact that by this stage, John Sorrell's character is just fucked. Like, <laughs> he's stumbling everywhere. He like he like he's he can't cope with with mm. what's the, the world's closed. The world's closed around him. Yeah, because uh, they there's no actual as far as I can tell. There's no sort of specific moment in which he's like hit by the dart or whatever it is that that. No, you never see it. Just, it, him it, with... it, 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 it fades out at the ceremony, mm. and the guy with the, the thick glasses is later. He's the, the surgeon, mm. the, or he's the pathologist, mm. uh, giving the lecture. Who slightly, who subtly kills, subtly kills him in front of everyone, but no one knows that because no one knows he's alive. He's alive anyway. That mm. shot, and I assume it's just coincidence. Uh, that shot with his thick glasses as he stares directly into the camera reminds mm. me of a very similar one from Robin Redbreast. Uh, the, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, the play for today, where in the dream sequence, where Bernard Hepton looks at the camera as, mm. as Fisher, and he has those thick glasses. That being said, and this is, sl- I doubt eighteen months ago um, that anyone who worked on this was was in London and caught uh, what, what, one, what watching one, play for today. What one first year and watch play for today? Goes, that's a good, that's a good show. I just think it, may, it may just be a, it may just be a similar a, a similar of just of the, of both the disorientation and the power mm. of the class. Anyway, it's really effective. Uh, it's a really yeah. effective show. Yeah. It's also kind of visual shorthand because at the point at which he is in the the headdress, the the professor who's the the you know yeah. torturer of tomatoes. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost kind of to conceal his identity, and it's really only at the end because he did, he's not wearing glasses throughout the film. But at the no, end, when true, he's coming yeah. to do the autopsy, he puts them on, and it's sort yeah. of revealed to Gregory and the audience at that point that oh no, th- this person who supposedly has been attempting to revive me throughout the movie is actually the head of the conspiracy yeah. and so i am literally fucked yeah uh but by now there's no nothing nothing more to be gained than killing him other than just otherwise he can't wake up and tell wake up and tell people yeah but you, you get the idea that even if he did no fucker's gonna believe him now anyway so it's, mm. you know so it's there's a there's there's a palpable feeling of helplessness yes he's uh, been pretty much you know sewn up yeah. for the for the crime um yeah. so yeah as you say even if he recovered and said oh no there's this club where old people you know steal yeah. the youth eff- essence of teenage girls uh yeah, yeah it's probably not going to go well for him no, is it? yeah um and only i think it's only at the end only jessica ingrid thurland's company, mm. it's only really jessica who believes in him and knows him and she yeah. she has she has no, she has no alternative but she can keep silent or she could die pretty much mm. that's her choice it's, i mean it's not like jello is you know is um bereft of bleak endings mm. but again the tone is 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 very it's less about the death and mm. more about the overriding power of a yeah. of a state or a conspiracy to to, mm. to 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 crush you and i was trying to think actually is that's the only no so there's two uh we only see two deaths actually occurring actually occurring yeah yeah, yeah i think you're right think yeah you're right. um there's the, the a woman's body is found but we mm-hmm. never see her as well the neighbor who he's going to meet to tell him about the 99 Club is killed before he can meet him by being pushed over a train. Mm. Um, Barbara Bach's character is killed off screen. Mm-hmm. Jacques is killed off screen. Yes. And although he, I like, 
Actually, oh, that, sorry. The, re- yeah. the reveal that I think that's one of my favorite bits of the movie because it's, it's so good. Because one, it kind of defies expectation. Because as you said, Jack's function for a lot of it seems to be because he's the one that kind of lures him out when yeah. uh, when Mira disappears. So yeah. there's always this kind of question: Indeed, is, yeah, yeah, Jack yeah. is Jack is part of the conspiracy? And if you watch, you know, things like this, and you've seen certainly something like uh, Perfume with Lady in Black, where everyone is in on it, even characters yeah. who couldn't possibly have been in on it. Yes. Um, um, then you, you're. I think my expectation the first time I saw it was like, oh, well, clearly he's part of the conspiracy, but he's not. No. And and so when he does the, I know what's going on. Come and meet me, which is yeah. you know always a dumb thing to say in a in a jello. Yeah. Um, he, he is killed, as you say, off screen, but. At no point does Gregory actually realise because he runs past a bin and knocks the lid off and then Jack's inside it and his sort of arm flops out. But Gregory doesn't notice because he's running in the other direction. So we as the audience see it, but he doesn't. I think that's brilliant. Well, that's also how it happens with um, uh, with with Mira as well. But he never learns mm. about Mira or Jack's death. No, that's but right. The, but, but, the, but the audience, the audience know they're dead. Now, there's... Thing, actually, I wasn't going to mention that, but it's a nice compare and contrast. That's a lovely shot. It's a low angle through an alleyway. Mm. Where he runs, trying to find the guy who's who's. He hears someone running and chase, chases them, knocks the bin, and we see Jack's body, mm. uh, but he doesn't. But it's preceded. <laughs> You're being framed for things. Mm. Don't accidentally drop your blood-stained monogrammed handkerchief on the t- <laughs> at the scene of the crime, you twat. Yeah. A, you're not like you don't you're helping them <laughs> yeah i mean even i would look at that and go yeah that's not very good is it like that's just why didn't you yeah. notice you did that 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 one's on me sorry um <laughs> i know it's but i really didn't do it but it's just the way i drop i drop the handkerchief not only that oh, it's got my fucking name on it oh, i hate it when i hate it when that happens Oh, it's like carving yeah. your carving your address into a knife and then stabbing and so on. Yeah, uh, but that's probably that's probably the only thing I could I could I could ridicule in a film. I think I've enjoyed more than anyone we've watched overall since, uh, as in probably uh, well, with the exceptions of the ones I'd, I'd already seen them. Mm. Probably since the Repossession. Um, mm-hmm. I think it like and like the Repossession, it has. Um, it has the dower motive. That the repossession gets away with it as like a proto channel because it's before mm. the main and it's in black and white. Um, but this has um, a similar heavy, heavy um, muted atmosphere that mm. I really enjoyed. And it's quite slow build. And I'm sure a lot. I'm going to assume a lot of people because I'm generally quite misanthropic um, get a bit impatient with it. If, mm. if if you go to a jalo, you want you, you may want things to move a bit more quicker. Mm. Uh, with a bit more fun. I remember when we first sat down and talked about the cello, you telling me like this is you've got to remember the context in which this was watched. Mm. This is mm. watched by people in uh, you know, in relatively you know, flea pit cinemas. It's you know it's housewives knitting or doing washing as well. It's people chatting. You need something to happen every 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 ten minutes for mm. it to you know for it to get the plot is very much secondary to the to the to the imagery. Mm. Um, and here that isn't that that that, that, that isn't true. So I can mm. see if you went into that expecting that you go watch this. I don't really want you know I don't mm. I, you know, I, don't, I don't want Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy Jello, mm. um, but which is what it is. But I I loved it. I thought it was mm. I thought it has a it's a it's phenomenally stylish. Mm. Um, okay, there are better examples of subtext and other things as well, but <laughs> at least there at least there is subtext, um, yeah. which has a wider story as well. It's quite it's political, um, and it and it sounds beautiful. 
Mm. Shot beautifully, and everyone is giving a good performance. Mm. There isn't a really there is, and I think yeah, it's often hard, and you could often pull out sort of crappy death scenes. As mm. it's not, it's not the easiest thing to do. Often do a good death scene without overacting it, particularly if you're being told to be quite lurid. Mm. And here, uh, the de- it's cold, it's remote, mm. um, it's chilling, and it's claustrophobic at the same time. Really effective film, and mm. I, I, I loved it. Hmm. Yes, and I learned something doing the research for this because um, I, I was reading up on various cast members, and I I always assumed because of the film she was in and the kind of characters she played that Barbara Back was European, but she's not. She's from New York. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Um, and in fact, apparently, she she reckons she lost the. Uh, she was auditioning for one of the later seasons of Charlie's Angels, and didn't get cast because she said the producers wanted an American. And it's like, I am American, but everyone thinks I'm not because I was in Spy Who Loved Me and lots of, you know, European films, uh, which I thought was kind of fascinating. So she's very convincing in those roles because, yep, fool me. And apparently the Charlie's Angels producers. So there you go. Wow. Did not know that. There we go. So everyone who assumed that, yeah, she's Soviet of some description, isn't she? uh, Yeah, I I think I, 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 I... did sort of look up her family history i forget off the top of my head what it was but i think sort of what one of her parents was sort of eastern european in some way and it it clearly you know it registered in her look because she does have that very kind of you know sort of russian aristocracy sort of bone structure um i mean i mean hey she's oh i thought i'd i'd read before that her surname was goldback i thought she was jewish uh very possibly actually yeah that she may have just dropped that to be more ambiguous. Mm. Amb- amb- but yes, I certainly didn't think she was American. Yeah. Um, yes, her. Yes, she's of Austrian Jewish heritage. So, um, yeah. So I guess it's you know it's not surprising. But uh, and you know, hey, I mean, one of the most stunning actresses of the period. So it's 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 not difficult when she's on screen. Put it that way. But presumably, then she has, as you say, if she loses the accent, that takes away from if mm. you want. Not exactly Queens, but you know it's a. Mm. Um, it gives a different vibe, uh, which might not might not be everything you want it to be if you're in seventies <laughs> seventies New York. I'm playing a Russian secret agent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The only other thing that I wanted to mention is we've talked about Ingrid Thulin, who is also very good, uh, being in obviously uh, Bergman films, and she's in you know sort of some quite controversial. You know, she's in like Salon Kitty, and oh, is um, she? Okay, and, I've, and, never, and, I've never seen Salon Kitty, and uh, yeah, uh, and and my Zettering, but she's also in the Cassandra Crossing. I haven't seen that. Sorry, <laughs> which is uh, a fairly rubbish disaster movie. Uh, oh, okay. Directed nice. directed by George P. Cosmatus, who is the dad of Mandy director Panos Cosmatus. The villain in Mandy is Linus Roach. That's right. Yes, who's the? And I'm sure you you know this. Who is the son of um, William Roach, who's mm. Ken Ken from Coronation Street? Uh, Indeed, and um, um, Anna uh, Anna Cropper, uh, who's also who stars in. Uh, lots of weird 70s telly uh, mm. uh, so I like, I like it very much as well it's one of my dreams to have one day to do an Anna Cropper con uh, <laughs> do, do a convention on one dead 70s actress who I'm a, who I'm a huge fan of who just appears in obscure 70s, 70s telly but she's, she's a fantastic fantastic actor uh, but you know, and I was delighted. Like everyone's watching Mandy and going, "Oh, that's yeah, that's Nora's dad. That's Nora's son from um, 
she's Robin, she's in Robin Redbreast, and he's going, "What the fuck are you doing?" I've been talking about the second time I've mentioned Robin Redbreast uh, getting into very into this as well. I am a fan of that's I am a fan of that place today. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Aldo Lado was as well. We don't know. Maybe, and if you know, and if uh, who saw her die um, uh, was basically ripped off by, by 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 Don't Look Now, then I think we can look at the Wicker Man and then see was what did, did how what what influence that had from from Robin Redbreast. Um, exactly. So yeah, uh, marvelous stuff. Good. Um, well, I. This has been one of the strongest entries so far, and I think this is a film I will... Is it commercially available, sorry? We, uh, uh, yes, it is, yep. 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 Uh, 88 Films put out the Blu-ray over here. Uh, 88 Films, they, they do some good work. They do, don't they? Yeah, they they, <laughs> they have some good writing in some of their stuff, and I hear they, they interview very cool people for, for extras. For That's right, so, yeah, they got some good releases coming up. They have, yes. Yeah. However, they pay me extra to... <laughs> maybe have maybe have a look for for nineteen sixty three comedy ladies who do. Uh, I will I will get regardless of who which label released this. I think I will buy this as I would like mm. to watch watch this several more times. Um, ah. What's next? What's next? Well, uh, speaking of uh, lurid, stabby, problematic seventies jelly, uh, we're back, are we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are back, probably for the duration of the rest of our oh, uh, adventure. Okay. It's uh, fine. From from here on in. So uh, next time we are doing the night Evelyn came out of the grave. Yes, our uh, our, our mutual friend uh, Howard's first ever Jallo experience was uh, from the same director who also made a film called The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Oh, uh, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. So, so yeah. think think in a similar vein. It's going to be bonkers. It's going to be hugely problematic. Um, oh, goody. But we will talk about that next time. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Next time will be the night Evelyn came out of the grave. Or I suppose is going to come out of the grave. Or by the time we get to it, she will have come out of the grave. Never mind. Uh, Please join us. Goodbye. Someone get their tits out and get stabbed. Come on.